If you're an executive, entrepreneur, seasoned investor, or just a student of the game, you'll love The Great Fail, Adweek's Entrepreneurship Podcast of the Year, a show that artfully uncovers some of the biggest fails in business history and how it might have been prevented. The Great Fail is entertaining, informative, and told through a true crime narrative in under 30 minutes that keeps you at the edge of your seats. So check out The Great Fail wherever you get your podcast. Ads are everywhere, and that's not changing anytime soon. Unfortunately, that means it's easier than ever to go unnoticed in the increasingly crowded marketplace. To stand out in a sea of competitors and ultimately sell more products to more people at higher prices, companies need a firm grasp on how advertising works and why. In this series on the anatomy of an ad, senior copywriter Nathan Spell and I are taking a look at the principles behind creating effective advertising. The concepts we discuss won't be new to any advertising geeks or seasoned brand managers, but we hope every listener leaves with a better grasp of the fundamentals and at least a few useful tips to apply in your own life. Because whether you're a company competing in the marketplace or an individual looking to advance in your career, understanding how to get the right kind of attention can be the difference between stagnation and success. So let's get started. You know, we're all familiar with ads. They're everywhere. And of course, the goals behind an ad can vary. You know, the most foundational building block below the surface of all advertising is brand. It's a person's gut feeling about your business. episode, we're talking about the basics of creative strategy and advertising. So in the spirit of focusing on the fundamentals, let's start at square one. Nathan, I want you to take me through each step as if I've never heard of an ad before and as if I have no idea what a brand is. Let's start at the beginning. What exactly is an ad and how do you define it? You know, we're all familiar with ads. They're everywhere. They've always been around, but they're increasingly ubiquitous, right? So TV commercials, radio, podcast endorsements, Um, out-of-home ads like billboards. You know, these are all examples of the forms that ads can take. But, uh, you know, advertising is actually much more open than any one example that I've just listed. So, you know, an ad can be as small of a footprint as, you know, a a text ad, like whenever you search on Google, you get a search engine ad. That's the the sponsored uh, results that go to the top. And then usually what you're actually looking for is below those, depending on how good the advertiser is at at getting the right result for those keywords, right? But it can also be as like big and exciting and open and experiential as a branded experience. Like maybe in the case of a digital experience, like an app or a a website, a web experience, or, um, you know, a physical product experience. I think what ties all of those examples together as a definition is that ads are communication, but they're messages that are conveyed with a goal. And the goal is always to get attention in some sort of a targeted way. So that's that sort of encapsulates what an ad really is. So that's a really broad definition. Yes, it's very broad. But because like the purpose behind an ad can go really, it can run the gamut depending on your goals. You know, the ultimate goal of many ads, probably most ads, is as simple as, you know, increasing market penetration, which is to say building recognition, increasing sales from new customers. But that's not necessarily the case with all of advertising. So any definition of what an ad is has to count for that broad spectrum of potential messages. 
But in a nutshell, if there's not some measurable business objective behind the communication, it's not an ad. We work with a wide array of clients. Products range from packaged goods to clothing. We've got mobile apps, everything in between. What ties all of their ads together? Is there a common thread behind all advertising, given how broad the definition is? Yeah, that's a good question because like you said, you know, the client can really vary. And as we've already discussed, the end result of an ad, the final form that the ad takes can vary almost even more. And of course, the goals behind an ad can can vary. But I think what ties all advertising together, and I would say especially all advertising that is very effective together, is that there is a process. There is a systematic building of that ad. And it starts with everything that you don't see. It's kind of like for any of my creative writing majors out there, it's kind of like Hemingway's iceberg theory of story, if you're familiar with that. If you're not, it's really simple. He, he had this really simple way of putting it as Hemingway was known for, of what makes an elegant story. It's that the story is the tip of the iceberg. And just like the iceberg's elegance is made possible because seven eighths of it is underwater, the story is stronger because of what's omitted. Well, an ad is kind of the same way. If an ad contained everything that was going on behind the scenes, it would not be effective. But at the same time, I should say if the finished result contained all of that, like explicitly, but at the same time, if you don't go through that process, if you don't have that substructure, um, then the end result fails. You know, the most foundational building block below the surface of, an, of all advertising is brand. And on top of brand as the sort of base of the pyramid, you build a creative strategy. And from the strategy, you develop concepts People use this term interchangeably, and in some cases, they actually are divided about whether you should use the word concept or idea. But really, that's what a concept is. It's like, we have a strategy, we've got the brand, what's the idea? And then from those concepts, finally, you have what in the industry we call the execution, which is the finished ad. But first and foremost, you have to start with an understanding of the brand. So let's go back to the basics again, just for a minute. For our listeners, how would you define a brand? Sure. Well, instead of defining a brand myself, I'm going to steal a definition from a guy named Marty Neumeyer. I hope I didn't butcher his last name. I think that's right. And um, he's a famous author on the subject of brands and branding. He's worked with huge brands and he has basically built a career on branding and the books are very great, like super short, like concise reads. I uh, highly recommend The Brand Gap and Zag. But his definition of brand is it's a person's gut feeling about your business. And I think that's kind of a surprising definition for most people because we think of brands and we think of logos, or we think of visual identity, or maybe we think of like the verbal aspects of a brand's identity, like voice and tone, or even taglines core values, et cetera, et cetera. But really Marty's point is that just like a novel sitting on your desk is not really the work of art until it's being read, brand is not truly there if there's no one experiencing it. And if there's no one actually having that gut feeling, there is no brand. It's actually the people, your customers, or the people in the marketplace and how they feel about you as a company that truly constitutes a brand. And in terms of like a, a word like brand equity, what we're talking about 
is how the aggregate of people in the marketplace, what what is their gut feeling about your brand? So like as an ad maker, you're dealing with that raw material already. For example, if you're working with a brand like Coca-Cola or Apple, you've got this kind of behemoth of a starting point. You've got all of this this feeling that people have about the brand. At the same time, you're trying to help mold that and shape that with the advertising. So that's why it's it's both the foundation, but it's also something that's produced and helped by advertising itself. So obviously brands are the ones doing the advertising. So ultimately ads need to be branded in, in order for people to know who to buy from. How is that different from what you're describing? The difference is that rather than seeing brands as something that's to be included in the ad or to be, you know, to put it kind of crudely, to tack it on at the end of the idea to just say, okay, sponsored or, you know, brought to you by, or even at the front, a lot of times, you know, there's the logo right up front. That is an element of the brand, but that's not the same as starting with the brand whenever you're going into making an ad. Or even, you know, the idea that like the ad is coming from the brand and that's not the same thing. The idea is that as, as a copywriter or as a team who's working on producing ads, you have to start with an assessment of the brand before you even start thinking about the ads themselves, because there's already a conversation happening right now between the company and the people in the marketplace. And that unspoken conversation of, you know, buyer behavior their preferences, their choice in the market, and everything that that tells you, everything that that hints to about how those people see your company, that is the starting place for strategy. So really you have to start with a diagnosis. Where's the brand at right now? Because any strategy that follows without that is gonna be flawed by definition. To get where you wanna go with the advertising, you have to know where you're starting from in the first place. So would you say branding or brand building is synonymous with advertising or how do the two differ? I think depending on the agency, you know, like the, there might be an advertising agency that's in charge taking the lead of building a brand for, for a company, you know, looking at it from the big picture, like, is it synonymous? No, but at the same time, every aspect of your operations as a company contributes to or in some way harms the brand. And that that means like everything from the, the C-suite down to, you know, the point of sale. And I would argue even including teams that you might not think of as directly influencing the brand, like the finance team is usually that's, that's, you th- might think of that as sort of like the the money is just like the the data being passed and forth. But if you think about it, really how the money is being allocated and how it's being handled, that says a lot about the values and the priorities and the trajectory of the brand. Basically, ads are fed by the brand. Like I said, you know, you start with brand, but at the same time, they help to cultivate the way that people feel about you as a company. So branding and the brand is bigger than advertising. Ads are doing the work of building the brand. It's just that it's only a part of the work that needs to be done. What elements of brands are most important to understand before moving into the strategy phase? Like I said earlier, you know, this is about diagnosing 
the gut feeling that that people already have about the brand. So a brand being something that lives in the minds of the market, you know, that definition, it's the gut feeling. You have to understand people. You have to research the people in the market. You have to really understand not just like what features are we offering, but why are people choosing our product over others or why aren't they choosing our product over others? What benefits are driving them to make that choice and why are they interested in those benefits? One one example of the kind of mindset that you have to have in this stage, uh, well, it's sometimes called the five whys, it's sometimes called the seven whys. You know how like as a kid, you would ask why so many times that your parents would just be like, because I said so. And it could be like, you know, why is the sky blue? And they were just like, I used to know that. I'm frustrated that you're asking me 20 times the same question. As a creative, you have to be a little childlike in your thinking up front. You have to think why behind the why behind the why, behind the why, behind the why, and so on until you get to the insight that that really does lay the, like the bedrock for the strategy that follows. You know, why is our brand different from the competition in the eyes of the people in the market? Like what what is it about how we show up in the market? What What do they think of what is consistent about their response and how does it make them feel? So, this is all about getting understanding. It really is about research. And I like the word diagnosis because you're trying to understand something that's hidden. And it's it's all about finding the truth. It can be a little bit metaphysical to use a word like truth, but there's something like you know it when you find it. You'll You'll find something that seems so simple that it should have been obvious. And yet at the same time, it's surprising. And that's when you know that you've really you've really gotten to the core of like, okay, this is a truth about the brand as it is now. And that's what you need to, you need to have that to develop the strategy. Let's say I'm a brand manager and I've been doing an audit of the brand in a lead up to a conversation with an advertising agency. How does brand diagnosis feed into strategy? The answers to all of those questions, the, all those five whys, the picture that they paint is really about how your brand is performing in the marketplace right now. And what it hints at is the approach that you should take, which is really what we mean by strategy. Strategy is the next stage and it is ultimately, it's not the specific idea, it's not the specific plan, it's more like the approach that your plans and your ideas should come from. You know, if you use an idea like strategy, it's hard to to avoid talking about like, strategy games like chess or war games. The difference between a strategy and a tactic is that a strategy takes into account an overall position rather than specific actions. So it's about figuring out the way that other brands are positioned relative to you and using that insight that you've discovered about the the consumers, how your price, how your packaging, how your design, how all of the aspects that distinguish you and influence how the market sees you relative to your competitors and and all of the the associations like you know there's a lot of behaviors and and hidden associations that people have with brands and with the messages that brands are putting out there and uncovering what those sort of hidden associations those hidden feelings are it completely changes how 
you think about moving forward. Is lowering your price always the best option? Is raising your price always the best option? Of course not, because otherwise, you know, there would be there would be no differentiation in the market. What you leave with is an understanding of like, okay, with the example of price, the price that we have right now is signaling this. And maybe it's not quite right. Maybe the signal was supposed or what you were hoping the signal would be was that your product was a premium offering. And maybe because of some other factor that you didn't account for, the price is actually, you know, knocked you out of the running in that potential customer's mind for, for a number of reasons. So all that to say, you start noticing what ends up being the raw material for strategy. Because after all this exploring, all this questioning, that's when you end up with a sort of map of the territory. All that to say, this map that you're left with, it's never going to be the territory itself. You're never going to have perfect information about every single consumer in the market and exactly how they think and feel about your brand at every moment in time. It's just until, you know, science has not gone that far yet. Uh, We're getting, I think we're getting close with social media right now. It's getting a little scary. But until that happens, like you have a partial map, but, you know, when you're talking about what approach to take, Having a partial map that gets better over time is way better than starting without a map at all. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes and leave us a comment with your feedback, questions, or ideas for future segments. If you would like more info on Ad Results Media and what we do, please visit us online at adresultsmedia.com. This podcast is an Ad Results Media production. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.